Are you nervous? Never. You're not. You're not even kind of nervous. No. Not even a little bit. No, because I'm on good hands. Oh, is that what it looks like? <laughs> that is what it looks like, eh? <laughs> Hey everybody, Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast, this is Todd Conklin, I'm your host, how are you? I hope you're good. So you probably heard in the little tease that there's a guest today, live in studio, I mean, you know, as live as a podcast can be live, don't get me wrong, Brent Sutton's here. And that's because Brent was over here hanging out with Rob Fisher and his cats and kittens, in Charlotte, North Carolina, North Carolina, and now he's on his way to Calgary and Vancouver, the Couve, and you know Santa Fe is totally right on the way, so why not? I mean, so he zoomed over and stopped because he left perfect weather in New Zealand, and I'm just going to say this one time, perfect weather in New Zealand to come to North America where it's colder than crap on a cracker. Now, I'm not saying that's a good sanity check, but I'm not not saying that's a good sanity check. I think he may be crazy. And I think today's the day you get to figure out if that crazy is real or not. I hope you're doing good. How is the year going so far? I mean, just between you and I, you can tell me honestly while you walk the dog or hang out or whatever you're doing. Things getting better? Are they getting worse? Or are they staying the same? Because some things you can't measure, but you can monitor. And the quality of monitoring is really powerful. Now, you know my New Year's resolution. I still am on the same bicycle. So I've kept it so far almost a month. So that's near as I can tell, just running the math on that. I'm at 12th of the way through that resolution. But other than that, I think things are uh, pretty darn normal. I'm very excited for it to warm up because soon it will be Groundhog Day. And soon that means we'll either have six more weeks of winter or have six more weeks of winter. I think I have that right. So the groundhog gets up and rolls away the stone and he steps out. And if he sees his shadow, it's six more weeks of winter. And if he doesn't see his shadow, six more weeks of winter. So near as I can tell you, just in the scheme of things, in, in North America, where I am, we've got six more weeks of winter. But uh, th- that's a part of it. So today's conversation will be uh, – actually, I'm pretty excited about it because Brent's worked diligently. He'll tell us all about this, I'm sure, so be ready for it. Gird your loins. He's worked diligently around the four Ds. And his new book, uh, at all, because there's an at all to that, is a big part of that as well. And that, I think, has got some real potential. And we're probably going to talk about that. I mean, I'd be surprised if we didn't talk about that. That's something to talk about. But even more interesting, to me at least, is how he's taking this idea and applying it to real work like real people doing real work in a real place, not some kind of weird academic exercise or some research question, 
but in fact applied use of these four D's and how they're sort of coaching and creating an opportunity for workers to see this as a really incredibly valuable tool for doing critical work in highly adaptive environments, which, just in case you forgot, is exactly what your people do every single day. And the success they're having around this is is pretty exciting. I mean, I have to tell you that years ago, when we talked about the Ds, and at one point there were three Ds, they've grown and blossomed to a fourth D. But when we talked about the Ds, it was a clever mnemonic. It was easy to remember, and it was a, a pretty effective way to put more onus on the worker's responsibility to be safe. What Brent and company have done is taken that idea and matured it so that it's no longer 4Ds directed at the worker, but in fact 4Ds as, uh, well, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but almost as an assessment tool, as a, as a way to identify potential places in the work we do where either risk is super high or controls are super low or maybe both. And either way you look at it, that's a pretty important part of what's happening now. So the book, The Five Principles in Spanish, is doing really well. If you're using that with your people and you don't mind and have a spare minute or two, give me a little feedback on what your people are saying about that book. Uh, So I've had a couple people read it. Um, I don't really read Spanish. I speak Spanish poorly, but I don't read Spanish at all. But uh, the feedback on it is, has been quite remarkable. And so um, that's good to know. And other than that, man, I don't know. It's, uh, it seems like time is zooming by. And that's because, you know, we're busy as crap. And busy people are important people. We've talked about this before. If you want something done, give it to a busy person. They'll get it done. Because if you wait until the last minute, then it only takes a minute to do the work. See what I mean? This, uh, there's a balance there and a big part of what we're talking about. Other than that, let's bring Brent into the cycle because that'd be fun. I'd like to chat with him a little bit. All right, Brent Sutton. This is you, baby. How you, Todd? It's good to be in your hometown. Why, thank you. And you're always welcome here. And look, you're absolutely correct. I'm mental for coming from summer to winter. Yeah, no, that I, is mental, I think. I, I literally, I finished my summer holidays, and I hopped on the plane, <laughs> and I came here. I left 85 degrees, oh. and and I came here. To, and, to negative 85 tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just definitely going to be cold in, in Calgary. Yeah, he's going to Calgary, you guys. Calgary is Calgary's this crazy place. Well, though, Calgary's great. I mean, it's great. It's fun and interesting, and the food's amazing. But it's the craziest place because people don't think they're cold there. So one of the things, and you'll have to tell me, Brent, if this is true, but one of the things that they don't do a lot is wear coats. People in Calgary don't really wear coats. And I'm betting, this is the part you'll have to tell me about, Brent, but because it was so cold in Calgary last week, and it was really cold last week, because they had the Arctic bomb, which I'm not sure what that means, but I totally think it's a cool thing to say. 
I mean, that's, that's a cool thing to say. But because they had the Arctic bomb, it was super cold. This week, they're going to act like it's warm. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I've personally brought four layers. Yeah, they? and that's probably not enough. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's because your blood still moves around in your body. What I think in Calgary is it's just hardened. Well, um, and maybe the, maybe they're hardened people as well. And that's what well, I think so. But I out. think if you cut their vein, it would be like slushy. Do you have slushy in New Zealand? Yeah, we have slushies. We love a good slushy. Do you have ices? Yeah, ices. Ices and slushies. There's a big difference between icy and slushy. So do you think it's actually, do you think they've got um, antifreeze or call it in their blood as well? I think so. I think so. Yeah, that's that's you're probably right. It is. I bet it is antifreeze. That's <laughs> we'll have to cut them over. Look yeah, at the green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that kind of weird fluorescent green that uh, we're also comfortable with as well. So it's so good to see you, and what a treat to have you stop by. And even better, thanks for taking time to do the pod. So the pod's just ripping away, man. Oh, like, I can't believe how many people listen to this goofy podcast. Well, it's interesting because just before Christmas, I was going back to your first couple of episodes. Wow. What was that like? (laughs) Well, it it was actually better than I remembered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) But I I think all these things, um, it just becomes natural. Uh, But, you know, the the things you're talking about are just so relevant today as they were then. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how the more things change, the more they stay the same. And and what I like about it is when I listened to them, it actually made even more sense. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because but don't you think that's because we've grown in our understanding because we've we've been on this journey. I mean, I think the thing that makes this journey interesting is that you're constantly getting smarter. Not that you're smart. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get there. But you're constantly getting smarter. You're constantly sort of improving in your understanding of how humans and systems interface. Yeah, and I, I think I even I might even use the word that you see a nuance that you didn't see before. Yeah. So the first time around, it's all about gaining knowledge. Yeah. Getting understanding. Yeah. Contextualizing it. Vocabulary, learning the yep. language. But when you go back to it, you actually then start to see there's a, some nuance to it. And, and I think you're completely right because it, 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 it changes how you look at things. So, you know, you look at, a, a pick any recent event, but a, a door on a hatch of a plane flying off at, at uh, 16,000 feet, and you're probably by definition going to look at that problem differently now than you would have had it happened 10 years ago, 10 years prior, 10 years earlier. Absolutely, because you're putting a whole different lens. Yeah, and that lens is really uh, an amazingly powerful tool. Yeah, and that's really what we've done with the four Ds. Yeah, that's it's almost, we're not even trying for this transition, and we stumbled into that, baby. Because it's a lens. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we've been doing some really great sessions with people, um, and what amazed me uh, with Rob and, and and his clients here this week, I was blown away that there's some of these organisations, they're in their like sort of you know fifteenth fifteenth year of doing hop. Yeah, and they just said to me how the four Ds has just created this reawakening for them at that front line. 
What, so why do you think, I mean, first of all, that's a, what a great thing to hear. I mean, that's just good for every, it makes you feel good about the work you're doing. It's good to hear them say that. It's it's a direct reflection of their confidence. And remember, the key things we manage are confidence and capacity. So that's really good. What do you think? What do you think is the four Ds are doing? Well, I think the, the two themes that came from this it makes it makes instant sense to the front line, and there's zero training involved. Yeah. So talk about that because because. So I agree with both things you say. I'm not going to – we might disagree. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but we're not going to disagree on this. It's not that that there's zero training. It's that this resonates so well with a lifetime of experience that you can engage prior learning in a clever new way to a new lens. Fair enough? Yeah. I mean, workers know that they're always adapting. They may not have viewed it as adaption, but they know they are adapting. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the four Ds is giving them a mechanism to express that adaption in these four different ways. And what's been fascinating is that the 4Ds in particular works great at that team level where workers are sharing there's this powerful narrative in their story and that workers will see the 4Ds differently in the same task based on their perception of risk or their appetite or their tolerance for risk. So what one worker may see that a particular activity just doesn't make sense Another person will say, well, hey, look, that's actually much harder than it should be. And it's just driving those conversations that are being had is shifting workers, Todd, from that notion of assessing or evaluating the system, which is what most of these systems used to do. It's actually allowing them to appraise the system. And what do we mean by that? It means that the worker can see how they exist in the system rather than how the system is imposed on them. Okay, so that's pretty important because that really shifts them from sort of a why me, kind of a victim mentality, to a what do I do, which is more of an active Yep. Posture. Now, do you use the 40s, dumb, dangerous, difficult, and different, just in case people didn't know what they were, sure. I thought I would just pop them out there. Do you use those as categories, as buckets, as lenses? Tell, tell, um, me, a, tell a, me how they would use those. A thinking frame. Just a thinking frame. It gets in people's heads. That Because it's not about what bucket it goes into. It's, it's actually more of a cycle. And Ooh, tell me more. So say, for instance, in Rob's case, Rob actually has changed the cycle because he he likes to start with dumb, then different, then difficult, then dangerous. And from our point of view, it doesn't matter what bucket it is or what the cycle is. We're trying to get people to think about that when I'm doing this task or when I'm working with this hazard or if I'm involved in some type of activity, what doesn't make sense to me? What's more challenging when it should be? That could be the dangerous component. What's harder than it should be? 
or what's different from what it normally is. And, and what it's doing is it's building a critical appraisal skill. And it gets in their head, and when, and they no longer have to do the four Ds formally. It just becomes part of the of their schema and how they start to think about stuff. So, what is the difference then between the four Ds and an after action review? Well, I think that's really important because um, an after action review is really, from my perspective, is really focusing on what went well. What didn't go well? What can we improve upon? And it's more focused on the actions of the individual rather than the system itself. The four Ds is very much focused not on behaviours of people or the actions of people. It's very much focused on what were those conditions that existed in the system when it didn't make sense, when it was challenging, when it was hard, when it was different from what it should be. And that condition identification, why is that an advantage? Uh, because other than the obvious, yeah, other than it moves you away from behavior. Yeah, well, well, the the conditions allow behaviors to become present, but by seeing those conditions and understanding those conditions, we can actually change work design. Now, hold on a minute. You're telling me that behaviors are a product of the conditions. Yep. So if we set un realistic time frames in an activity, does that push someone to rush? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Or, or my favorite question in the whole world, do you behave differently in a biker bar than you do in church? Uh, yes, I pray more in the biker bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but I mean, the, can, yeah, so touche. Was it really ready for you to be that clever? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I didn't think you had that in you. But uh, that that's actually a really powerful, powerful piece of data. How do you how do you how do you experiment how do you teach that if you teach it? Yeah, so in actual fact we we've created some activities and um, we're using Lego in that activity. I should probably translate that into English. Lego. Lego L E G O. Yeah. And I don't know how you say it. I say it do, it doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. Um, luckily, it's not Meccano then. Yeah, um, but, although that sounds perfect to me. That, that's perfect. That's much better. And the purpose of the activity is that we have designed a system with error traps in it. And those error traps are, you know, got conflicts, misleading information, um, you know, nested information, multiple actions, all all those classic um, sort of error traps. And we get the groups to basically perform the activity, but we tell them in advance that they're going to fail. So we explain to them, no matter how hard they try, they will fail in building this Lego. And I, I'm even much more meaner because we explain to them that the, the Lego kit that we're using is designed for five to eight-year-olds, and I've pre-assembled half of the kit <laughs> for them. Okay? <laughs> I love this. And and the leaders don't like it. Well, yeah, because, yeah. Well, if so first of all, if they don't like it, I understand why they don't like it. And part B to that is they take themselves a little too seriously well, they, if they that do. freaks them out. They do. But, but, you know, how often are workers being set up? 
All the time. All the time. And even whilst they're performing that activity, uh, what we do is we have one person in the group act as a safety observer. And during that activity, I'm going around the different groups and listening to some of the conversations. And where a group might start to indicate, you know, look, we can't complete this task. We're going to pull out a stop card and stop. I'll come into that group and say things like, hey guys, the material's going to turn up on the site in the next 10 minutes. If we're not ready, there is contract penalties of X number of $1,000 per day. Just get on with it. Ooh. Pretty real. That's now, pretty now real, that dude. pressure wouldn't really happen. Yeah, and right, except every day. Shockingly, that group, get on with it. They give up this notion of empowerment and they just get on with it. And of course they all fail. But the purpose of the exercise is not about failure. But then what we get them to do is we we basically get the safety observers to go away and to write up some of the themes that they observed. And we then get the groups, we split the groups into two and we get one group to do a reflection using a traditional after action review about, you know, what went well, what surprised them, you know, what have they learnt. Right, fair enough. And then we also get the other group to do a 4Ds. And we then get all the information from the observation, from the after-action review from the 4Ds, and we write up the number of insights that were obtained. And then we write out what percentage of those insights were based on behavior versus what percentage were based on the conditions that were present in that activity. Now, this may or may not come as a surprise to the listeners, but the safety observation is about 90% behavioral based. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah, because that's, that's what, what they're observing. That's yeah. what you ask them to do. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's what they're doing. The after action review is about fifty percent behaviours and fifty percent around the conditions, and the four Ds is ninety five percent conditions. And more importantly, the number of insights from the four Ds is higher than the combined insights from the safety observation and the after-action review. So that's really interesting So for a, at a bunch of levels. So it's really interesting to me because it serves as a force-functioning feature, pardon my alliteration, to really move the organization away from looking at the person to looking at the work, the conditions around which the work is accomplished. So that's beautiful. And what's amazing is when they look at that narrative, that story from that 4Ds, you can start to see how you could actually create change in the work system. Yeah. Yeah, I would think, I would actually think those changes would become really pretty apparent pretty quickly. Yeah. And they're probably not expensive or difficult or dumb or dangerous. (laughs) Different. And, um, And then we explain to them that what they've done is they've moved from asking better questions, they've moved to having better conversations, 
and now they're moving to actually creating better work. And the last thing I do, Todd, which comes as a real shock to them, I decide, I then put up on the screen a series of influence factors around task-based psychosocial risk factors. So gotcha. things like, you know, work demand. Yeah, gotcha. You know, autonomy, those types of things. And I asked them, looking at those influence factors, were those factors visible in the safety observations? Were they visible in the after-action review? Were they visible in the 4Ds? And the group are shocked how the 4Ds creates visibility around those psychosocial risks. And they can see straight away, because it's all condition-based, they can see, in one case, because what I was doing to them is that I undermine their empowerment and I strip them of autonomy. So they went from feeling that they are empowered to stop and I put them into that mode where they're basically in that harmful mode of not having that autonomy where they believe they can influence the outcome of the activity. Wow. And they like it. Yes, and of course, no one was harmed because it's just Lego. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's really unfeeling towards the Lego community. Yeah, uh, maybe a bit of pride was lost. Yeah, a little th- yeah. tiny bit of pride, but, yeah. but the, everyone's got a little extra pride. They can dump yeah. that pride perfectly. Well, that's how, So that kind of active learning is always cool anyway. But this is a really good illustration, almost immediately giving the payoff that if you really work at asking better questions, you'll get better answers. And that the four Ds is really just this lens. I mean, that's your language, not my language. That's actually put us into a position where we just get better. Yeah, and it's driving learning both at the worker at an individual level. It's driving learning within that work group, that team. And it's also driving learning from an organizational point of view. Because it's only the organization that can actually create better work. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, But what we love is how workers um, feel that they have more ability to influence that work component because they've gained more insights and they've gained the skill around being able to appraise these situations. Wow. Man, Brent, thank you. That was so cool. I enjoyed it. We should continue this conversation. Always a pleasure, Todd. Oh, the pleasure's mine, my brother. What'd you think? Was that not worth your time? Out there walking the dog or doing push-ups or whatever you do during the podcast? Man, Brent is a joy of fresh air to speak with. It's always so much fun. I'm going to see if I can get him to do a part two to this and ask one more set of questions. So here's my advice. I'd keep listening. I wouldn't delete the app today. Sure, you can do it later, but not today. So ultimately, I'm glad we got to spend some time together. Tell your friends if they want to listen. They're all welcome. It's free. costs nothing. And uh, it's just a conversation between you and I. And it's fun, and we do it a lot.
Until then, learn something new every single day. I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. Take care of one another. Check in on each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Be safe.